Let's open our Bibles to the first psalm. Psalm 1. Let us use it to worship the Lord with the reading, short explanation and singing of a psalm. Many of you have memorized this psalm, or you've known it from childhood. It's short, it's easy to understand, Needs few divisions or explanations. What it needs is the liberty of the Spirit of God for us to put it into practice. And you are able to put it into practice. And if you don't put it into practice, you'll give an account of this day, and so will I, for selecting this psalm and for bringing it before you and for standing before you if I come short of its description. This is a description of the character of the Lord Jesus Christ as everything in Scripture is, and the character of good men, godly men, the righteous who shall inherit eternal life. Let us all stand together and read this psalm in unison. Together. Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. And he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water, that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. The ungodly are not so, but are like the chaff which the wind driveth away. Therefore the ungodly shall not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knoweth the way of the righteous, but the way of the ungodly shall perish. Amen and amen. You may be seated. There is blessing held out from God for those that meet the character described in the first two verses. We have the philosophy of the ungodly. In the first clause, we have the lifestyle of sinners in the second clause, and we have the attitude of the wicked in the third clause. And we are to avoid all three. We want to hate the counsel of this world in its philosophy, in the way that it thinks, the priorities it sets, its description of origins, its description of the purpose of life, It's philosophy, the counsel of the ungodly. We don't want to walk in it. So we want to reject the world's philosophy, their way of living, their idea of pleasure, their statements of purpose for a human life, their measurement of success. Young people, do not let the world deceive you into measuring your life By their standard of success. 
When you die, you will take nothing with you, and five minutes after you're dead, no one will remember you. Do not measure your life by popularity, financial success, athletic accomplishments, professional designations, the square footage of your house, its taxable value in county records, the cars in your driveway, the clothes in your closet, the children in your bedrooms, the wife that you lead around. Do not measure it by anything that the world suggests. Measure it by your personal relationship with the living God. Measure it like the epitaph we have for a man that didn't die. Enoch, for he had this testimony that he pleased God. Because he walked with God and he was not, for God took him. And that's the record that we have of that man. Let that be the measure of your life. That is a successful life if all those things, those other things I mentioned... You fall short. Give me a Lazarus with dogs licking his sores at the rich man's gate with faith in God and the Lord Jesus Christ and I have found a success. Give me a martyr rotting to skin and bones in the, in a prison who has faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and hope of eternal glory. And I see a man of success. I see a man prospering because he owns the world and he's going to rule the world. The new heavens and the new earth. Young people, your flesh, the world, and the devil want you to measure your life by things, academic achievements, professional standing, income, and other things. But the Lord Jesus Christ said, A man's life consisteth not in the abundance of the things which he possesseth. A man's life consists in walking with God and keeping his commandments and living like the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed is the man, of verse 1, that will not, will not, and will not. He will not accept the philosophy of the wicked. He will not participate in the lifestyle of the wicked, and he will not have their attitude of skepticism and scorn against the only truth in the universe. The truth that comes to us from God by way of His Word. In contrast, the second verse tells us that this man's delight, his delight is not in the philosophy, nor the lifestyle, nor the attitude of the wicked, but his delight is in God's Word. It's in the law of the Lord. And in that law, He meditates day and night. You all know with me that we can get so excited and so enthralled and so wrapped up in the things of this world. And the devil will bring them along. And our flesh will discover them and find them. That we meditate on those things. Our our minds are constantly churning and turning and burning about fleshly things. This is what we ought to be thinking about and meditating upon. His delight 
is in the law of the Lord. Is that where your delight is? Not your duty. We don't want to be Christians of duty. We want to be Christians of delight. Is this where your delight is? The blessing is described in the third verse. The first word of the book of Psalms is blessed. The third verse is the description. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water. Now, if a tree is planted by rivers of water, is it going to have any lack of water? Assuming ordinary amount of sunshine and air and an abundant supply of water, this tree is going to bring forth his fruit in his season. You will be a prosperous and successful man by God's definition. You will be fruitful. You will be a tree of life to others because they will benefit by your godliness and by your spiritual mindedness like the Lord Jesus Christ was. Your leaf also shall not wither. You won't dry up. Why won't you dry up? Because you'll get away from what dries men up. What dries men up is the philosophy, the lifestyle, and the attitude of the wicked. The philosophy, the lifestyle, and the attitude of Elizabeth Taylor and the rest of her pals. They're described in this psalm. I need to mention a few of them. They're here, but not in this verse. I want you to be like this. Your leaf shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. Keeping in mind that the Lord is looking at a myriad of factors in your life and a myriad of blessings, sometimes that extends to your natural life. But the natural life is not the most important life. Our spiritual life. What if in your spiritual life you never had a leaf wither? I know about withering leaves. I get discouraged. I get tired. But we don't want our leaves to wither. We want the endless supply of strength from the Holy Spirit of God. And He's able to do that to those that will reject the world's philosophy, lifestyle, and attitude in verse 1 and receive the philosophy, lifestyle, and attitude of verse 2 that is found in God's Word. You'll be the prosperous man of verse 3. Verse 4 says the ungodly are not so. They are not blessed. They do not prosper by God's definition. And then they get to meet Him. The ungodly are not so, but are like the chaff which the wind driveth away. What a difference between a prosperous, fruitful, abundant tree and the chaff, which is the husk and worthless part of plant life. And the wind just blows it away. It's gone. It's worthless. We shall live forever with the Lord Jesus Christ if we're His. Verse 5, Therefore, the ungodly shall not stand in the judgment. They're not like that prosperous tree, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. They will not get away with it. They may get away with it on earth, and there may be much adulation made about them during their lives and when they die. Let the worldlings adore their worldlings. They shall not stand in the judgment. Because we have a God and a Father that thinks entirely different than Hollywood, United States. Entirely different. He has absolutely no respect or regard for that wicked woman that died this past week. 
She is not an unconverted elect. She was a wicked woman her entire life. She shall not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. And we are going to our heavenly congregation soon to sing with those glorified voices and an innumerable company of angels. But they will not be among us. And they will be cast into the lowest hell. And we shall be forever with the Lord. And the difference is something we need to lay hold of by faith and righteousness this day. Verse 6, as he wraps it up, he puts it this way. For the Lord, that is the Lord Jehovah, knoweth the way of the righteous. Now the Lord knoweth the way of the wicked. If we define knoweth as bare omniscience. But this is one of those places in the Bible where the word know, the verb to know, is not bare omniscience. It's not bare knowledge. It's not knowing about them. It's approving, affectionate, loving design with benevolence upon it. When it says the Lord knoweth the way of the righteous, it is set in contradistinction to the second half of the verse, but the way of the ungodly shall perish. See, he doesn't say, the Lord knoweth the way of the righteous, but he does not know the way of the ungodly. He says, the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the ungodly shall perish. So the contrast gives us the definition of the verb to know in this sense. And the definition is one of affectionate approval reception. Praise the Lord. The Lord knoweth the way of the righteous. And isn't that the most important thing you want in your life? That He knows your way? And I don't mean He has knowledge of it in the sense of knowing about your life, but that He approves of it. He is affectionate towards you. He has benevolent designs upon you because you're going to be with Him forever. The Lord knoweth the way of the righteous, but the way of the ungodly shall perish. Predestination has an end. It's for us to be conformed to the image of the Lord Jesus Christ. Because in the end, everyone in heaven is going to be perfectly conformed to Jesus Christ. But God has already begun that glorious process. And He's granted us the Spirit of God, and we better be conforming ourselves by the Spirit of God. Here is how we can do it. We reject the world in verse 1. We receive His Word in verse 2. The results are in verse 3. The wicked that we see around us, we should not envy them because God has rejected them in verses 4 and 5. But He has received us and He's loved us with an everlasting love because He has set His foreknowledge, His beforehand affection upon us. May we live like it. Amen.